So good afternoon again. Psalms 32. We're going to jump right in. I'm going to cover the ground that we covered last week. I want to get through this. And as you know, there's rare occasions that, well, probably more often, I think, but definitely rare occasions where I will read a whole verse and not just, I mean, a whole chapter, not just a verse. And this is one of those such occasions. There's so much meat. We started it last week. Let's, let's rock through it this week. I'm starting at verse two. And I will go try to touch on it, some of what we did last week, but I want to get us to this week. So it starts with, blessed the man, or you can say the person, to whom the Lord imputes not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. And just a couple of things I want to touch on. If God doesn't impute iniquity to you, or there's no God in your spirit, it says you are blessed. I like to flip it around always. So I'll just, I'll just add some words here to make it make that sense. Not blessed is the person in whom God imputes iniquity and in whose spirit there is guile. So if your spirit it does have guile and God does impute iniquity, you're not blessed. Hmm. We'll come back to that. So what is it, as the scripture says, um, to impute iniquity? We're going to cover iniquity and then we want to cover the impute part. So what is iniquity? Um, Avon is the way it's pronounced in Hebrew. And it is a moral evil, a fault. Perversity, depravity, the guilt or punishment of that iniquity. So let's look at it. Guilt of iniquity or as a great guilt or condition. The consequence of or punishment for iniquity. So iniquity is a, in the simplest explanation is an evil fault. Hmm, let me see if I could give it a different word that makes more normal sense. Is an evil or mischievous bad habit. It's something that almost has become a part of who you are in a way. It's, a, it's, a, a, it's, it's something that you do that is displeasing to God and it's just become a part of your life. It's like, hmm. Somebody say, I just cuss. I just, that's my thing. I just cuss. I can't help it. That's an iniquity. Um, somebody, it could be um, sexual immorality. Somebody can be just an evil attitude toward people, just malicious and, and you know, bitterness. 
you know, just 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 something that is is um, unpleasant or ungodly, but it's a part it's become a part of just who you are. You've learned it your whole life. You've done it now. So why I want to point that out is this, because it says. Whom the Lord imputes no iniquity. Now. This is an important word. Ready? To think, to plan, to esteem, to calculate, to invent, to make judgment, to, ima to imagine count, account, to plan, to devise, to charge, to impute, to reckon. Come on now, reckon is mean that you get you get what you what you you reap what you sow. To esteem, to value, we can go on. But here's what I got when I read that. It didn't say blesses the person or the man whom has no iniquity. It says blesses the person whom God is not calculating it and holding it against you. Uh, come on, you, you, better, you better get happy this morning. He said blesses the person whom God doesn't impute it to you. I'm not, I'm not holding that on your account. If you're blessed, if God can say, I know you got your shortcomings and things and I can see your heart toward me and I'm not going to hold that against you. Oh, somebody should be happy a little bit, just a little bit. And in whose spirit there's no guile, which we went through very, very thoroughly last week, right? Um, lackness, slackness, um, treachery, deceit, manipulation. He said, who a person that God doesn't impute iniquity to is a person who is not really committed to it from a bitter place or a nasty place or an intentional place or their heart is not committed to that evil. May have some bad habits, but God can see your heart your, your core, your character is, is geared toward walking away and being free from that. Come on now. Blesses the person, God says, I don't find any guile in you. How many people you know, somebody in your life that you know, even if they don't do everything right, you can, they got such a sweet spirit and you know they don't intend to do anything evil. I only know a few people like that, like, yeah, they're, they're hot. You can see they, 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 they don't set out to do nothing like that. Um, I definitely see that in you, Edward. I don't see you to be a person with God. You just, doesn't, you just don't seem to have that kind of spirit. Um, um, Sister Vaughn wrote like King David, amen. I don't see like, there's a few people I know like that, but there's people I can point to and say, yeah, but you don't have malicious intent. And I've never seen that you and you, which as long as I've known you, I know you a long time. I've never seen you just intentionally be something out of line to somebody. It's just not your spirit. And I'm not saying there's nobody else, but I just chose to pick her today. And, you know, you judge for yourself if it's you or not. That's not I'm, not, I'm not here to, you know, the way he scales. But I'm just using you as an example. I hope you don't mind, Minister. But I just want to put that out there. Um, so watch this. So then we went on and said, when I kept silent, my bones waxed old through the roaring of, through my roaring all day long. 
for the day and the night, your hand, talk to God, was heavy upon me, and my moisture turned into the drought of summer, Selah, meaning pause. Think about that a minute. So he said, when you find no iniquity in me, and then he said, when I kept silent, come on, when I kept silent, when, when I was aware, or when you start to make me aware, or when you start to sense, but you still didn't open up your mouth and repent, or you still didn't come to God for clearance, or you, don't, you didn't own your mess, as I said last week, you didn't own it. And I'm trying to go through it quickly today because I don't want to miss this week's message going over last week's message again. You didn't own it. And because you didn't own it and you was quiet, he said, everything dried up around you. The sky turned to iron. You felt like your prayers weren't breaking through. You felt like God wasn't moving. It wasn't he wasn't there. He said, but because you didn't confess, because you didn't come forward and become clean before me, there, see, there is no unconfessed sin. You follow what I'm saying? There's no such thing. Well, the Lord know my heart, but you're not coming before the Lord and coming clean. God expects you to repent. He expects you to come forward. He expects you to be honest and clear about where you fall short. And then he heals you. You have to ask for forgiveness to be forgiven. It's just not automatic because you felt like he should know. And this is what the scripture is going to prove. Watch this. Verse five, he said, and I acknowledge my sin unto you and my iniquity I did not hide. So I just want to make sure you understand. I'm not just talking off the top of my head. This is right here in the word. He said, when I didn't confess, everything dried up around me. But when I confessed my iniquity and I didn't hide it, I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest mine iniquity and my sins. Selah. So he said, God imputes no iniquity. Blessed is the person whom God does not impute iniquity. Well, who does he impute iniquity to? To a person who's got a spirit of guile, who hides their mess or tries to hide behind their mess. He said to that person, you got it coming. I'm going to dry up on you. But he said, if you confess it, then he says, you forgave the iniquity. See, now, because you're honest and you're open and you're free before God, he forgives your iniquity. Listen, we're still talking about God's protection. God is saying in your shortcomings, in your falls, in your mistakes, which you will make, you guys, some of us still have iniquities that we are dealing with. Can, can we admit that? Can we honestly own that and say, yep, let me see some hands. Like, no, I know it's still some mess. That, that need to be clean. I know it. I know it. And those of you who don't have it, well, yeah, well, we'll find out in the end of the, at the end of the journey. But those of us who, who are honest enough to admit it, and, and even if you felt uncomfortable only, I don't want to confess that. Yeah, listen, whatever you want to say. He said, when you stay quiet with it, it dries up. You feel the conviction. You want to hide. You want to avoid scriptures that point them out. You know how we do, but that's not, I don't want to go to all that again this week. We touched it last week. Let's keep moving. So watch this. I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Verse six. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when they when thou might be found 
Surely the floods of the great waters shall not come nigh unto him. Now we went over this, um, I think it was two weeks ago about when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard against him. He's saying that when I come to God and I pray like this and he's telling you, let me, let me find the best way to say this. Okay, that's a good way to say it. We spend a lot of time praying about what we're going through and asking God for deliverance from it instead of using that time to let God to show us our shortcomings so we can confess them and be delivered so that then the healing will be automatic. We spend more time focusing on what the issue is or the outcome or the result is than the actual what did we do to contribute to where we are? We spend a lot of time, and I say we because I know God has caught me in the same thing. I spend a lot of time going before God about what hurts me instead of saying, God, show me where I contribute to what hurts me so that I can change that. Let me talk to you about the me that I don't want to see. The scripture is a scripture that says, show the house to the house. Don't keep talking to God what people do to you. Ask God to show you what you do to people. Ask God to show you how you affect people with your behavior and your actions. Well, I meant well. Nobody asked you all of that. The bottom line is you may mean well and still do harm. So show me the me I don't want to see. And a lot of times you can say I meant well and you really didn't mean well. You just accepted that what you do is okay. I'm not trying to hurt nobody's feelings. I'm just trying to be honest here. So I'm talking about myself too. There's times that I assume that because I've become comfortable with my behavior. I meant well. Meaning well means being ready to change and being ready to grow and be ready to be corrected in every step and phase of your life. That's what it means. It's important that I, listen to me close, am willing to be corrected and grow. And until then, I don't have a right to say I meant well because what was well to me last month God can check me today and it's no longer well. You know there's seasons of your life that God will let you get away with stuff and never say anything to you. But then this season comes where he says, okay, that's enough. You doing that from this point forward is sin to me. You doing it from this point forward is a hardness of heart. You doing it from this point forward is guile. You are doing this now intentionally because I checked you. Somebody other than me know what I'm talking about right here? There comes that point where God goes, okay, no, we was cool, but not anymore. And from that point forward, that thing is sin. You don't want to talk to me, but I'm going to keep on going. So he said, for everyone, for this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in the time that you may be found. Surely, in the floods of the great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. So this verse always bugged me because I didn't understand in the time that you might be found. Is there a time that you can't find God? Is there, is there a time that God is not available? Is he hiding from me? Like, is there a time that God is not available any longer? He said, pray to God why he might be found. 
I, 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 I had trouble with that. And, and, and I'm still deciphering that before the Lord, but here's what I got in my prayer time. God said, when you let it build up in you, so it becomes so much shame that you can no longer pray or feel comfortable praying, then you can't find me. I don't hide, but in your own shame and guilt, you hide from me. Isn't that what Adam did in the garden? He went and hid. God wasn't missing. God was not lost, but he was. He hid where he couldn't be found because your own guilt condemns you. And he says, if you wait until it becomes judgment, oh, somebody, I need to listen to what I'm about to say to you right now. It's harder to find him when you already reaping the blows. See, if, if, if you're cheating on your, your income tax or you're doing something like that and God's checking you, all right, all right now, all right, you keep it going. And then all of a sudden, they come and throw the cuffs on you and throw you in jail. It's a lot harder to find that peace and find him when you're in that cell. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to pray through all those tears and, and woes, his knees. And, come on, y'all. You, you, you understand? It's not God that's missing now. It's you. He can't be found because you don't know where to find him. It's not because he's hiding from you. It's because you've hidden yourself so far from him, you having trouble finding your way back to where the grace was originally. I'm just trying to help somebody out here a little bit. God said, seek me where I'm easy to find. You know right where I am. I'm here, you're there. But you keep moving to the other side, sooner or later, you're going to find yourself lost in the woods and have trouble finding me. I don't want that. So verse seven says, you are my hiding place. I don't want to hide from you. I want to hide in you. I don't want to hide from you. I want to hide with you. You are my hiding place. I don't want to have to find you. I don't want to have to seek you. I want to hide in you, God. Come on, saints. Listen, come on. This, this, all this is together. These ain't separate verses. They didn't write this as a verse and a seven and an eight and a nine on it when they wrote this. This was one straight letter. So I want you to just forget the numbers for a minute and understand that this is a straight conversation between the prophet and God himself. So he goes on to say, you are my high place. You will preserve me from trouble, right? That's what we just talked about, a verse above trouble. You should compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah, watch this and listen close. Up into verse seven, the preacher or the teacher or the prophet is speaking and giving instruction. But in verse eight, God jumps in and takes over the conversation. And I need you to be very clear about that. From one to seven, the prophet is talking. But then in verse eight, God says, because you said all this stuff right, now let me tell you how I'm going to react to that to you not hiding, to you owning your stuff, to you not letting it beguiling you, to you coming clean so that I can deal with you. And let me just tell you something. You don't have to always come clean to other people unless God tells you, because it says, confess your faults to one another that you might be healed. Scripture does promise that. So there is a place that there needs, a, there may be a time, and a lot of times there will be a time that God will tell you to confess, even if you got to confess to the person that you faulted or whatever, but you have to do it. You have to do it. If God says, go to ask that person forgiveness. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if they're going to accept me. I don't know if they're going to reject me. I don't know if they're going to treat me right. I mean, I was wrong. I feel ashamed. God, like, I'm not trying to hear all of that. I just told you to confess your fault. 
so that you can be healed. And a lot of times that person is healed. So he gave the clear instruction, confess your faults, own your stuff. Don't let me find iniquity in you. And if I find it, don't make me find it. Come and reveal it to me. Put it out there so you're not lost trying to find me. You're always in me. I become your hiding place. Listen, no, 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 I don't think you're getting this. Your faults and your shortcomings, even though should be hid in God, not hid from him. He sees them, baby. You're not hiding them. Stop kidding yourself. Hide your faults and your shortcomings in him. Come into the house with him. Bring it all with you. Confess it. Talk about it. That's what he said. When I hid it and I stayed silent, my bones dried up. Come inside and talk. Talk to God about it. A lot of things that church had taught me over the years was that to appear to, appear to be a good Christian, you don't talk about nothing and you pretend before yourself, before God and everybody that you pure and right and holy. And that's why church people become real judgmental. They become self-righteous. They become prideful because it becomes about the hiding game. It becomes about trying to pretend or make everybody else not see their ish while they talk about everybody else's. So he's saying, yeah, but why are you hiding? Why are you being quiet? You're wasting away. And I've seen this happen to a lot of believers. Like they are so committed to trying to be a good Christian in the eyes of everybody else, they lose their relationship with God. Be careful. If you're more concerned about how people see you than how God sees you, you got problems coming. Hmm. So now God jumps in. Let's just look at this again. Verse six, he said, for this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in the time where you may be found. Surely the flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. Come on, babies. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall compass me about with songs of deliverance. God jumps and says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that you should go. Oh, my God. I've seen people preach a message on this without covering the beginning. And I'm like, yeah, you're teaching people a half message because this is not going to work. God not going to instruct you and teach you nothing if you don't cover the first basis of this. Dealing with guile, dealing with iniquity, coming clean before God. I will instruct you. Why? Children, why? Why would he instruct you? Now, this is God. I will instruct you and teach thee in the way that you shall go. I will guide thee with my own eye. Whoa, why is this Why is this being said right now? Why? Because you came clean, because you owned your crap, because you got before God and you got real. God said, this is the thing like, like Sister Wise just said about like David, because David, when God checked him, he fell on his face in sackcloth and ashes. He owned his ish against you and you only have I sinned. He said, you know, everybody might be mad at me right now. And David took heat from his own kids, from everybody around him. Nobody was feeling David too tough at that point. His, his own buddy who stood right by his side, what was his name? Um, Nathaniel went to the, to the other king and ratted him out and told his secrets to him. Listen, everything that you do, no matter what the outcome is, God's like, come clean to me. Come clean to me. 
Then we'll deal with everybody else. But come clean to me. And if you do, I will instruct you and I will teach you the way which I shall go and I will guide you with my own eye. Don't be like the horse or like a mule, which has no understanding, whose mouth must be held with a bit and bridle unless they won't come near you. He said, don't be so stubborn. Don't be so prideful. Don't be so arrogant. Don't be in a place that I can't get you to greatness without pulling you there or guiding you. Can you just walk with my eye and just follow me? Saints, God don't want to force you into greatness. He wants to guide you into it. He don't want to pick you up and carry you into it. I know the footprints thing. It was then that I carried you. God's like, listen, this is, that's not a scripture. That's cute, but it's not scriptural. I want to guide you with my eye and you walk. We partner together. We walk together. And think, I know you love the footprints thing, but it's not scriptural. It ain't, I only saw one footprint in the sand. It was then he carried me. That's cute. And I hope it's very encouraging, but it's not scriptural. I will guide you in the way you should go. I will lead you. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. He leads me. He leads me. If there's one set of footprints in the sand, then it means I'm walking right in his footprints behind him and following him. And if I'm doing that right, then yes, there's one. Not because he carried me through. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He guides me with his own eye. Say, it's my responsibility to walk with him. Say it. It's my responsibility. God ain't going to drag me anywhere. It's my responsibility to walk with him. So he said, listen, don't be like a horse or a mule that I got to pull you along. Don't act like someone who don't have understanding, who must be held with a bit and a bridle, lest they come, lest, lest they come near unto thee. You know what a bit and a bridle is? Does anybody not know what a bit and a bridle is? Um, that's that thing. You, you probably never pay any attention to it. It's not comfortable. When they put that thing over the horse's head and a thing on his mouth, that bar goes in his mouth, and then they strap it around his head. That's the only way you can pull a horse's head left to right. You as a human, as a man, ain't pulling a horse's head to the left or to the right. So what you do is you create something that creates a discomfort. And when you pull it, it turns the horse the way it should go, but it's not natural and it's not comfortable. That's why they spur the horse with their heels to make the horse run because you're creating a, 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 a situation of discomfort to make something behave. Are you listening? Who's catching where I'm going? God's saying, don't make me have to put something in your mouth and hurt you and pull you to the left and pull you to the right or create discomfort for you to go forward. Be wise and just follow me and be led by my eye. See, this is where I had to go through this to learn. Yeah, God had to put a bridle and a bit in your mouth. He had to put a yoke around your neck so that you follow. But there is a better way. Come clean, own your mess, and then let God guide you with his eye. He doesn't want to have to drag you in kicking and screaming. He wants you to come in peacefully. Come out with your hands up. 
Surrender peacefully and you won't be hurt. You know what I'm saying? Just, just, just let's listen. Come out with your hands up, raise and praise, and just go forward with him. You don't have to wrestle and fight your way in. You don't got to get tased and thrown to the ground with God. God, like, just come on with me, right? Don't make me have to force you. There's a way of ease to go. And this is what he's saying. Don't be like a mule. Don't be like an idiot. Don't be stubborn and hard and I'm not going to repent until full judgment come on me. Then you're going to repent. And truthfully, most of the time at that point, you're not repenting. You're sorry for the pain you're feeling, but you're really not repentant yet. I know a lot of us don't want to hear a lot of this stuff, but I'm trying to help you out and I'm helping myself out because this is what God has been teaching me. Own your mess. Repent. Say, God, I can do better than this. I'm going to be still. I'm going to come clean. And then you, I'm going to hide in you. And you, even if it's I have to come clean, makes me feel shame. I'm going to come clean in you. And I'm going to hide in you. And then you're going to guide me. And then you won't impute to me iniquity. It's an awesome thing. So watch this. He's already made a contrast. Those who are iniquity are found in them. Those who are stubborn and hard-hearted. Those are prideful and try to hide and don't own up. So he, he, he brings us home with this. Many shall be, many sorrows shall be to the wicked. That means twisted. That don't mean you're doing witchcraft and all of that. It means you're twisted. It means you're outside of the will of God. But he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall compass about him. So now I got to do a little something with this because this, this is good stuff. That one verse right there says so much. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. So what are we talking about? What are sorrows? My goodness. Makob is the, the Hebrew word. Um, anguish, affliction, Grief, pain, sorrow. Now, I'm going to break this down just the way it is, is said. Many afflictions. Watch this. It's two real definitions. One, ready? Pain. Number two, pain. <laughs> Both definitions are pain. I'm, I'm not making this up. The first one says pain, physical, and the second one says pain, mental. So he said many afflictions, pain and pain, physical pain, sometimes you can deal with it. When it becomes emotional and mental, that's some long stuff. That's when you're holding it in and not being cleansed or coming clean. But we won't go over that all that again. Show be to the wicked. Many pain and pain should be to the wicked. Pain, emotional, pain, physical, to the wicked. What are we talking about? Watch this. Here's wicked. A criminal, a guilty one of a crime. Wicked, hostile to God. That's the one right there. Number two. Hostile to God. God considers a person that's hostile to his correction and his instruction, wicked. 
See, I know we think wicked is they into witchcraft and they and, 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 and going to the um porn, watching porn and going to the whatever. Wicked is you hostile to God. If God is pulling you one way and you turn in the other way, that's wicked. I know, I know, I know, but this is what the Bible says. The third definition is wicked is guilty of sin against God or man. That's wicked. So if you've been hearing wicked your whole life and you think the wicked witch of the West and all that is the person who does evil spells and, you know, I have knew and told and all that, you know, wicked is you're hostile or you're resistant to the leading of God. That's the definition of wicked. Pain and pain to the wicked. You get pain physical, you get pain emotional and mental if you're not compliant to the flow of God. Hostile to God is simple. You don't have to cuss at God and cuss God. God's going this way and you're going that way. You're in a wicked state. God's saying, repent, you won't. You're in a wicked state. I know that don't sound like a fun message, but hey, you might not jump up and down and shout, but it still is what it is. And I'm just going to teach you, it's my job. When I get before the throne, God, I'm going to say, God, did I teach him? And he's going to say, yes, you did. And I'm going to be all right. What you'll do with it after that, it's not my problem. Wickedness, how many of you never knew that that was what wicked was? How many of you thought it was witchcraft and all that other heavy, heavy, deep, demonic stuff and devil worship and all that? See, I thought that. No, wicked is hostility to God. So yes, all that stuff is included, but that's extreme wickedness. That's when you intentionally go on so, but wickedness is God, his spirit is leading me one way and I'm resisting and going another. That's wicked. I got to look out for myself. You know, I got I to look out for myself. God like, yeah, that's wicked though. Because you're not letting me look out for you. Why do you think the scripture says, whatever's not of faith is sin? Anything that you do that goes against him is wicked. Anything that you do that goes against his promises and his protection is wicked. It don't mean you're intentionally wicked, but once it's acknowledged, he said, now you better talk. You better speak up. You better come before him. You better own it. You better acknowledge it. And you better let him heal you. But you better speak up. And the people said, all right now, don't, 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 don't get me started in here. Listen, many out of sorrows are the wicked, but he that trust in the Lord, I don't have to tell you what trust is. You'll know what that is, to be confident, to be bold, to be secure, to, you know, be, to be bold. I do want to bring up the word bold because bold is one of the Greek words. I looked up trust. Bold is, a, is one of the Greek words. So trusting God is not just saying in your closet, yeah, listen to me close, pay close attention to what I'm about to say. Trusting the Lord is not just you in your private time and in your closet saying, I trust God. He said his boldness is also involved in trust. So trust is, if I believe God, are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Then I'm not ashamed to say it in front of anybody. I don't want to say that. I don't want people to think I'm a religious person or stupid. And I, I think I'm stupid because when it manifests, you're going to see who's stupid. No, no. I, listen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
about to get thrown into the fire. You didn't bow to me. Trust, they said, I got to deliver us. But even if he don't, I'm not doing that. That's bold. That's bold. That makes God show up. I hope you all know, babies, please. That makes God show up. When you take that kind of bold stand, I know what God said, and I don't care who don't like it, and I don't care if they turn against me, and I don't care if they try to throw me in the fire or put me in front of a firing squad. I'm saying right now, my God told me this, and this is where I'm standing. I trust him, and I'm bold in it. I don't care who likes it and don't like it. If you take that kind of stand, God shows up for you. You're supposed to do that. You, you are? Yes. Yes. How else do you get these Bible stories written? How do you get to declare these victories? It's easy for me to stand in front of a bunch of Christians and say, I believe God. I know God can make a way. I know the Lord is good. Hallelujah. And he good, baby. Yes, he is. Ooh, praise God. Hallelujah. That's something. And I remember when God, oh, yes, Jesus. Okay, that's easy. But when you got to get in front of those who are confronting you and they're challenging you and they're trying to shame you or threaten you with your job or whatever the case may be, and you stand there and you stand bold and God get to show up for them. And now they get to know and serve your God, just like that king did when he said, wait a minute, didn't I throw three men in there? OK, how did four men come out untied? I mean, how did, I mean, I saw four men in the fire and the three came out untied, unbound, no smoke on them or whatever. From this day forward, everybody serves their God. See, that's why he needs that boldness. You have an obligation to God. And it's not just to stand before God in boldness in front of other Christians and Christian groups. That serves God no purpose. Your boldness in front of the world and then God coming through for you on your behalf. Your boldness on behalf of those who don't believe and don't accept it, but you still stand anyway. And then God shows up for you. Now there's a testimony. Church testimony, folk, enough of that mess. Enough. Enough of being a good Christian in front of Christians. That boldness allows God to show the unbeliever what he can do to you. And then they say, I want to serve your God. I want to know your God. I watched how he brought you through this, that, and the other. And I want that. Okay. That's trust. In the Lord, many sorrows should be to the wicked, but they that trust in the Lord and bold about it, mercy shall compass about you. Okay, I know I'm picking it apart today. So what is it to compass? How many, does anybody here know what it is that says mercy should compass you? Do you know what that even is? Nobody? Surround you. Back up into you. Push up against you. Behind you, front of you, left, right, top, bottom. Mercy, let me see, let me look up the word here. Okay, okay, here we go. To turn, to turn about, 
to turn aside or back or toward to go about around to surround see everything i said to encircle to change direction that meaning if you go this way go with you go that way goes with you you know surely goodness and mercy should follow me all the days of my life that's compass it gets on you it'll get out there and then turn around and face you <laughs> no you didn't catch that he said mercy surely mercy will get there and compassion goodness of god will get around you to your left to your right to the front it will get in front of you and turn around and face you it'll be above you to be beneath you it, it come on now it, 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 it why oh oh well, i didn't see this one to march or to walk around to go partly around circle about skirt make a round make a circuit go about to surround encompass turn to oneself close that means close you and protect and it just keeps going and going and going and going my god it's so, so many definitions here listen so he's, let's, let's just read that again many sorrows should be, should be to the wicked but to he that trust boldly in the Lord, mercy, somebody say mercy, shall surround me. Above, beyond. No, I don't want to say surround. I don't think that's good enough. Encapsulate me. Mercy shall encapsulate me. It should create a force field around me. Mercy, oh my God. Mercy will encapsulate me about. That's what it says. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Let's bring it home. Did you learn something so far? Okay, listen in. Listen now. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. You should be shouting and throwing your phones up against the wall or something. Listen. He told you, come clean, be real, don't hide, don't play Christianity. Even if you got shortcomings and faults, he said, I can deal with that better. I can deal with it, come clean. And if you do, I will then guide you with my eye. You watch the wicked be judged with pain, physically and mentally. And if you're experiencing that, then you have to say, am I twisted? Have I turned away from God? Am I wicked? I know church folk don't like to believe they can, they can be wicked, but yes, you can. And regularly you can. God tell you to apologize to somebody and you say, no. I think they should apologize to me. You're wicked right at that moment. Sorry, no, you don't like it, but you're wicked. He said, but if you trust me, even in that, apologizing when you don't feel like you should, and he told you to, I ain't telling you to go apologize to somebody God didn't tell you to, but if he told you, so I don't know why I keep standing that apology thing, but it's strong on me. If you trust me and be bold and do what I tell you to do, I will surround you, encapsulate you with mercy. You can be glad in me, rejoice, shout for joy, well, I want to bring it home with this point. 
I've heard a lot of the shout to the Lord songs and shout for joy. And no matter what you're going through, shout and praise and sing and dance and anyway and shout and praise your way through. And I heard a lot of that stuff and I'm not here to debate any of it. But this is talking about a, a, another approach. Here's what this is saying. This is saying, this is a shout that's coming from the place of seeing God's victory and protection and him guiding with your own, his own eye and keeping you and all goodness is surrounding you. It's nice when you can shout even when you're in a mess. But I'm going to tell you right now, shout when everything is going good. It's a, place, it's a better place. I just want to tell you right now, it just feels so much better to shout at the goodness of the Lord. It feels so much better to shout when I can see God continually, continually, continually blessing me. It's, 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 it's good to shout when it's like whatever I put my hands to is actually prospering. And when I find myself in wrong and I find myself in the wrong place, I can come to God and go to the people that God has given me and say, God, here I know I need to talk to you because I'm out of line and I don't want to be wicked and get it right and watch him bless me and then shout all over the place. Respect to everybody who know how to shout in hard times, but shouting in good times is so much better. It's so much more fun. I, I just like it. I love it. And uh, come and join me because it's real nice. The water is fine. Come on in. Um, and I, I just want to say, God bless their hearts and minds. I pray that your study, this Psalms 32, I pray that I've given you enough of a foundation here. This is where I think I got one more verse and then this is the end of this message. But listen, there was so much fruit in this series. I pray that you'll go back and listen to it because God's protection is huge. And I've been really seeking God's protection. And one of the things you can keep skin taught me a lot through this, this thing that when this message started and where I am today is two totally different places. You may not know it. Those who are close to me know it. They see it. But the one thing I learned from this message, God said, Am I, let me protect you. Stop protecting yourself. If you hold your peace, I will fight your battles. Stop defending yourself. Stop responding back. Stop pushing back. Stop trying to make people understand your side of it. You don't need to do any of that anymore. Trust me and watch what I do. And I've been watching it. And I've been watching. And God said, I will make a table for you. I will set you up high. I will make a feast for you from those who have put themselves in a place to be your enemy. And watch what I'm going to continue to do. And he's been doing it. And this stuff that's going on in my life that y'all, some of y'all don't even know anything about. And, 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 and I'm purposely keeping a lot of it quiet because you know, when it when, when it's time for the festival, it's going to be what it's going to be. You know, it's going to be what it's going to be. God told me this whole move out here. He said, this is just the beginning. You know, you have no idea what I'm doing. And I understand that rejoice and shout and, and crying, Abba, Father, which we went through last week for last, crying. I've been freed from the spirit of slavery and brought into the spirit of sonship and I just cry. I just I can't do anything but cry, Abba Father. So be blessed, Father, let this word set into their spirit 
Let their eyes of their spirit be open and enlightened. Let their ears hear clearly. Let the words that fit them where they are right now soak deep into them and the other ones that don't, let it just sit in the reservoir of their spirit until the time is right. We thank you for the victory and we thank you for all clarity. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen and amen.